Welcome to another message from LifePoint Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on LifePoint Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. Today, as we uh, head into our service this morning, um, the purpose of this service uh, or this series that we're in um, is all about all about the recovery or for some the, the rekindling, if you will, of, of your astonishment of the Christmas story. Um, I don't know, I don't, want, I don't want us, I don't want myself to, to ever miss the wonder of Christmas. Um, to be memorized by it, the, the worship of Christ. And, and so today I want to talk to you about the topic of impossible to possible. The fancy word uh, for today's text is the Annunciation. It's when the angels came to Mary and the angel said to her, hey, I have some good news for you. And made this announcement in the words of the program it, uh, uh, of the little angel in the show is Shazam! Let's look at our text, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be the, uh, very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant. In her old age, Mary used to, uh, used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Father God, over the next few moments as we look at this passage of scripture that we're so familiar with this time of year. God, we've probably heard hundreds if not thousands of messages um, preached from this text. And God, only in a way that you can do, I would pray and I would ask that you would illuminate some truth to us today that would be fresh, would be new. God, a truth that has stood the test of time, that, that, that we would anchor our feet into, we would anchor our faith into, and we'd be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. God, have your way. Speak to us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, I love the Christmas story. I, I, I love seeing kids act out the story. I was thinking back to uh, when our boys were little and, and uh, we were youth pastors in southern Missouri and, and Austin was up on the stage with his little buddy Drew and they were about four or five and they had the, the garb of the, 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 the uh, animals on. You know, one of them was a cow. The other one was a, a donkey, I think it was. And they were on the step, front steps and, and they were just... Drew just, he was done. 
He was done. He'd practiced enough. And this is Drew's excitement of the Christmas pageant. For about 30 minutes, man, he, he just sat there and, and he wore off on Austin and suddenly Austin was doing that. It reminds me of the story that I heard of, of a little church over in England that was um, doing the, the, the play. Their kids were in, in, uh, in a British voice, English accent. Joseph asking the innkeeper, Hello, I'm Joseph. This is my wife Mary and we need somewhere to stay. Now I sound Irish, don't I? I better just stop, all right? <laughs> because before long, I'll be sounding Hispanic and then African or whatever. But so I'm just going to go white English. He says, do you have any room? And the innkeeper freezes and he forgets his lines. And there's a hustle on the side of the stage, you know, and there's some whispering. And, and so Joseph says again, hello, I'm Joseph. This is my wife, Mary. She's heavy with child. Do you have any room? And the innkeeper just looks. And somebody on the side, over on the side says, just make something up. Just make it up. To which the innkeeper says, sure, come on in. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nine months before the Bethlehem story, there's the Nazareth story where the angel appears to Mary. And it's where the impossible becomes possible. In this unfolding, conception doesn't seem like it's possible. Why? Because, well, Mary is a virgin. We know science biology class tells us, right, the X chromosome from, from uh, a woman needs to be present and a Y chromosome from a man needs to be present and, and there's only one of those things present who's in the service the Y. God does, yet it goes way beyond that. You ponder this. The science of it, Jesus, Almighty God, becomes an embryo. Yet, as we talked about this last week, Jesus is the eternal one, right? John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he was in the beginning with God. He's, John is speaking of Jesus. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything that was... Uh, made in him was life and the life was the light of man he's always been he, and and as this baby is formed and grows in mary's womb he'd always been god he is god very god this god who spoke the universe and all that there is into existence is now found within the confines of a young lady's womb From splendor, really, to speck. The impossible becomes possible. Some, are you, some of you are here this morning and you're feeling that you're facing an impossible situation. Maybe it's a recent health diagnosis, a recent health issue, or a lingering health issue that can, 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 continues to show itself again and again and again, and you feel like it's impossible. For others, it's a relational crisis. Others, it's financial tension. The recent uh, rate of inflation in, in that situation has, has plummeted your savings account and, and the month grows longer and longer and the resources grow uh, shorter and shorter and you feel that financial tension. 
For others, it's a season of ongoing spiritual dryness. You've prayed, you've asked, yet the heavens seem brash. And maybe no one knows, but there's been moments where you've thought to yourself, man, this seems, a a thought of a spiritual refreshing just seems impossible. I feel like I've been in this state for so long, I, I don't know what it would feel like. And then there's the despair over the condition of our society. There's the, the, the angst that you feel. Just, I mean, in the events of our own community this last week. And, and you, you feel that and you're like, man, it's not getting better. It's getting worse. That's, that's your thought. I've been praying these words over us this morning all week long. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. You need to know that's your pastor's prayer for you this week. That the Holy Spirit would come upon you. And the power of the Most High would overshadow you. That there would be something supernatural stirring within your spirit, within your heart today. That the impossible would give way to the possible. I love the Christmas record that this magnificent God, this creator of the universe who marks off the spans of the heavens with his hand, right? Is now confined to a womb. Or at least part of who he is. Confined to a womb. Moving the throne of heaven to a speck within Mary's womb. All week long I was just thinking about the developmental process of a baby and how they grow and the incremental changes and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, God was there. And as we look at this familiar story, what, my question for us this morning is what can we learn? I mean, we've heard it so many times, we're so familiar with it. What, what are some things that we can learn? I want to just throw six things at you quickly this morning. The first one is this, the impossible is for the ordinary person. Look at it if you would, verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, of King David. So, you know, a lot of times if you go to the Hallmark store, if you walk the cart store in the at Walmart or wherever you're shopping at, Target, wherever it may be, um, the, the manger scene becomes really sanitized, right? I mean, it's like, it just seems so clear. I mean, I've never seen a, a card that would emulate, you know, what could actually be in the manger scene. I mean, Mary is glowing. She looks like she has an astronaut helmet on. Um, Joseph, Joseph, and some of them, Joseph isn't around because he's, went back, he's gone back and started working on tables again, and he's, you know, back in the shop. Just life is normal. Um, there's this, 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 like, Chanel number five smell coming from the, the card because it just seems so, like, Perfect where in reality it was corral number five, right? And Jesus is like sitting up. I mean, he's like so mature for a newborn. But it wasn't pretty. It wasn't ordinary. It would have been what you expected a stable to be in those days. Mary was young. 
between the ages of 12 and 14. I mean, we sit here today, and it's like seems so shocking. Some of you are sitting next to your 12 or 14-year-old daughter, and you're like, I can't, I can't fathom that. But in that culture and time, you would be, you could be betrothed. They would be a young lady would be betrothed and engaged to be married as young as 12. It wasn't, it wasn't weird. It wasn't. It wasn't odd for that to happen in their culture at all. She would have just been an ordinary young lady, Mary would have been. She was probably illiterate. Her knowledge of Scripture, her understanding of Scripture would have been from what she remembered from times at the synagogue or conversations maybe the family would have. The town that she was from was from Nazareth. It was Smallville. It was Podunk. It didn't have a good reputation. In fact, John chapter 1, verse 46 tells us people's attitude towards that town was this. Man, can anything come from, anything good come from there? It's like us saying, can anything good come from Washington, D.C.? Right? I mean, it's just like, it's that idea of, man, it's just like, but it was ordinary. And some of you, if I missed my guess this, uh, this morning, that's exactly how you feel about yourself. You feel ordinary. What can this God do for someone like me? How can this great God that we've been singing about or, or that you all are singing about do something like this for me? Can God even be for me? Maybe someone would say. Could, could some would say, I, man, I couldn't, I couldn't be, even be a Christian. I can't imagine myself being a Christian. I'm not good enough. And that's the whole point. Because none of us are. That's the beauty of the Christmas message is that it isn't for people who are perfect and have everything figured out, but it's for the ordinary. The impossible is for the ordinary. And as I was studying and preparing this week, I just felt a, a prompting in my heart to, to just say, look, there's some in this room, there may be some watching online, and, and that's how you feel. You, you, it's not that you don't believe in God, but it's that you know who you are, and you know maybe your family background, and you're like, man, I feel disqualified. God wouldn't want someone like me. No, the, the Christmas story is, is, is that, that God is looking for the likes of someone just like you. Because you're worthy. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but the, the second thought this, this morning is, is just this. Miracles begin with grace. So you may feel, man, I'm just, I'm just too ordinary. But understand for all of us, miracles begin with grace. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Uh, we can read this so fast and miss this, all right? Because of the, the bigness of, about, of what is about to happen. Don't miss this. Don't miss the first statement that the angel makes to Mary. It isn't about the birth of Jesus. It's about grace. It's about mercy. And God being with her. Again, that's the foundation of Christianity, grace. I mean, the foundation is Christ, but Christ brings this grace. And, and if we don't understand grace, we won't experience the supernatural. For it is by grace when God moves in supernatural ways. Do you understand that? You can't, I can't make it happen. No, bad, no matter how bad I want it to happen, I can't necessarily force that to happen. It's, it's God's grace. 
for it is he who deserves the glory, right? Lest we think, well, it's because I played a role. I, man, I, I prayed 17 hours nonstop, and that's pretty much why that thing happened. That's why that miracle happened. No, we pray for 17 hours nonstop because we recognize without God's intervention, we're lost. We're in trouble. Right? The Greek uh, term favored is chariotu and has the same root as grace. The Greek word charis. So the Father's grace, His mercy, His love flow through Christ to fallen mankind. You see it throughout Scripture. God loves, His love flows to fallen mankind because of who He is, not who we are. The key is God's character, not human performance. So God looks to us ordinary folks and says, favor and grace is available. Grace to see a breakthrough. Grace to endure a season. Grace to receive who God says you are. I like what one um, scholar said about this. The best definition of the word favor is demonstrated delight. The favor of God can be described as God's tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. When we favor someone, John Utley writes, we want to be with him or her. We delight in them. We connect with, with them in a way that we don't connect with, in, with everybody. We usually favor people who also favor us. In the same way, God shows favor to ones who delight in him, connect with him, and give honor to him. Isaiah 66, 2 says this, these, uh, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and cont- uh, contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says this, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. To be perfect toward him means we seek his favor more, more than we seek the favor of anyone else, even ourselves. End of quote. I wonder how many of us would have wanted to argue with that angel. When the angel says, O oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. How many of us would have said, man, you you don't know what I did last week. Uh, You didn't know the thoughts that I had just last night. You can't feel that way about me because I know me. I'm reminded of Zechariah's vision in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, where it says this, Then the angel said to me, This is the word of the Lord, this revelable, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And then you track down to verse 7, and you hear this at the conclusion of that verse, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid what? Shouts of grace. Grace to it. It's not what you say or what others say, but it's what God says over you. Right? I was reminded of, uh, of a, a little story of a father and his little daughter. They were out on walking along the beach. They went to walk along the beach to pick up shells one morning, and, and the, the, his daughter's is grabbing shell after shell, and, and he look, she looks up at her daddy and says, Daddy, you haven't picked up any shells. Your, your, your bag is empty. Why? 
And the dad says, well, it's because there's no shells that I want. They're all broken. They're not worth picking up. And his little precious daughter looks at him and says this, broken shells are beautiful too, Daddy. And then God has a soft spot for broken things too. It's one of the beauties of the Christmas story, right? One of the things I love about the story is that neither Mary or Joseph allowed shame to shape their story. Because I think we have to understand in that culture and in that time, because Mary finding herself pregnant, the, the pattern of the culture would have been what? They could have taken her out and stoned her. I mean, God's plan was at risk. Too many people, let me just say this, too many people live by shame and not by what the Lord says of them. Um, shame isn't guilt. Guilt's a lousy motivator, but guilt can be good. Mark Twain said this, it's good to feel guilty when you are. How many know that's true? If I've done something wrong and I don't feel guilty, something's wrong. Guilt is a targeted action that says, you did this wrong. And shame, but, but shame is a smothering blanket that says, you are wrong, you are rejected, you aren't worthwhile, you are trash. That's shame. Chuck Swindoll said most people are better acquainted with their shame than they are with their God. Pastor at... Uh, the church that my parents attended in, in Fort Collins when they lived there said this, my, we name ourselves after our worst days and our greatest regrets too often. But God wants you to know grace. And you see that. Was Mary holy? Uh, yes, she, she was pursuing a, a righteous life. But, but just the fact that God made that statement to her there. Next thought. Confusion is part of the story. Verse 28, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Better translation would be rejoice. The New King James Version of, of the Bible says rejoice, O highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Cheerio, right? There's my English accent coming in. Cheerio, right? Rejoice, be glad. Joy is the, a theme of uh, Luke's Gospel. Mary later in chapter 1 says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She is having a response to the angel, but that wasn't her initial response. Do you understand that? Her initial response was in verse 29, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And unless I miss my guess, there are some in the room, and, or maybe you're watching online, and, and confused and disturbed describe you right now. Confused. I don't understand this season. I'm in. Man, I've been faithful, but our home feels cold. I don't get why I find myself in, in this tension of life right now. I've been faithful. Why am I here? I'm confused. The world says it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's not for me. A 2019 survey said, found this uh, about Christmas, found that 45 of, 
45% uh, of the respondents the, uh, dreaded the Christmas season. Why would people feel that way when you have a message like this? Why would some even in this room today feel that way when we have a message like this? Why would we feel confused? Why would we feel disturbed? For some, it's because of the limited resources and, and they feel the pressure from the marketing bombardment. And it makes them feel excluded. It's real to them. People feel alone at Christmas. Maybe it's the first one or maybe it's been for the last five or ten or fifteen and, and there's a, an empty chair at the table. Then there's the pressure of everyone coming for Christmas. Right? Man, our, our house this year is going to be crazy. We're going to have, we have foreigners coming. Australians coming, man. They're in North America now, be praying. <laughs> Things are going to get loud at the Rains house. We have people from Colorado coming. We have um, a young man from, from uh, Denmark coming. We are having an international affair. It's in a, it's in, I'm clear, we cleared out part of our closet yesterday so we can make a quiet space, put in white noise. It's going to be a refuge for about a week when they all descend on our house. But it's going to be awesome. For some of you, it's like, man, Uncle Buck's coming, and I'm convinced he has a demon, <laughs> right? But there's this pressure. Why, why do we talk about this? Because for some, Christmas is gray. It's like the weather outside today and maybe you're not there so you and I get to bring life and light to those that are there or we have the opportunity to bring life and light to them and and be there sometimes it's not with a spoken word sometimes it's just with your presence and engaging and and walking with them through it next thought four questions are Questions are building blocks of faith. Look at it, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I mean, this highly favored one becomes this highly troubled one. Have you ever been there? You can't blame her. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm playing this out in my mind. What is Joseph going to say? I mean, we've all heard that thought before. You've had that thought before. What would I do if I was Joseph? I know what I would have done if I was Mary. I would have said, excuse me, Gabriel. I'm going to go, we need to go talk to Joseph. I will break the news, but I want you standing just right outside the door in case I need to call on you and you can come in. Right? But then, what about her parents? Imagine breaking that news to mom and dad in that culture, in that day. I mean, it would be difficult in our day, right? My reply to the angel, if I would have been married at that, is like, hey, I'll go first to Joseph, but then we got to go to mom and dad's house. You're leading the way on that one, right? I mean, you think about the parents' possible response, the family name, what's, you know, what's this going to do to the family name? 
Maybe they're thinking, oh, stink. We had plans to turn her room into a, to an office, into a, a craft room, and, and now that's all blown up. You know, Mary's question wasn't a lack of faith or a question of unbelief. I think she believed the promise, but I didn't, I, I, but didn't know how it was going to play out. And what did the message say, messenger say and do? Look at this. Mary, it will be a miracle. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing to me. Some within her community, I would dare guess, would doubt that miracle to the end of her life. Secondly, this was a holy thing. This baby would be overshadowed, verse 35 tells us. That word, uh, overshadowed, is the term that you, is used um, throughout the Old Test- Testament in the presence of God, oh, the presence of God being in the Holy of Holies in the Jewish tabernacle, in the Jewish temple. Mary's womb would become the Holy of Holies for the Son of God. And then there's the promise. With God, nothing shall be impossible. I mean, the reality is, is that's just not a declaration there. It's a declaration throughout Scripture. I mean, Genesis 18, verse 14 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Jeremiah 32, 17. Oh, Lord God, is it you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arms? Nothing is too hard for you. Job 42, 2. I know that you can do all things. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Psalms 33, 9 says this, for no word of God shall be void of power. Finally, number five, submission is a daily choice. Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am, I am a handmaid, meaning the lowest kind of female servant in the day. That's Mary. May everything you have said about me come true. And then it says, and then the angel left her. Her response resonates with trust and confidence in the Lord. You, you learn by looking at her life in the first chapter that she, she trusted the Lord and, and belonged to the Lord. I mean, she belonged to the Lord in body. She belonged to the Lord in soul. She belonged to the Lord in spirit. This week, I uh, received a, a call from a friend who's calling to, to check on me. Robin was like, don't share this if you're going to cry. So I'm not going to cry. But he was just calling to be just being a great friend, man. And my phone rang, and, and, I, and I saw his name, and I was like, oh, I know what he's calling for. And he was just calling to check on me. He, um, and, we, and we talked, you know, through, through those, those tears and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, and we talked about the will of God. We talked about the plan of God. And sometimes 
sometimes as you walk through seasons, sometimes it feels tough. Sometimes submitting is hard because there's unknowns and there's things that you can't control like you could in the first place, right? And like you should try, like, but, but you, you, you can't. And so you step towards the Lord and you grow. And you accept His plan and His will for you or for your family even when it means distance. Even when, as parents, it means maybe worry because there's unknowns. And Mary's response is so awesome. May everything you say come to pass. I mean, the reality is, what's your alternative, right? You're going to fight God. Um, You're going to shoulder the situation, thinking that your shoulders are broad enough to get you through what you're facing and what's unfolding before you. The best thing that you and I can do when we have questions is to continue to submit to God even when and even after you've asked them. Even after you received your answer, if you received the answer, don't fight Him. He knows what He's doing. He is a good God. The steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Sometimes you have to talk to yourself. Sometimes you have to, you, you have to be blunt and honest with yourself as you're blunt and honest with God. God's big enough. He's able to walk you through that as He was with Mary. The sixth thing that we learn is this, and this is so important. I never really had thought about this. And it's faith will always be needed. And I, not that I've never thought about, I've thought about that all the time, but it's this thought that I really never camped on before. Because it's one of the bluntest statements in this narrative. Verse 38, and then the angel left her. Just as fast as the angel Gabriel showed up, he splits out. I mean, it would have been nice if he would have stuck around, right? To help Mary process through those conversations with Joseph and and her parents. but, But man, he was gone. But, But you have to understand, Mary wasn't alone. Yes, the angel left, but God gave confirmation to Mary through community. What do I mean? Steve, what do you mean? Well, the angel of the Lord came to Mary and dropped this bomb of announcement upon her, right? But then, because of her community around her, Joseph started having dreams. God begins to communicate to Joseph about what's going on. 
Elizabeth is pregnant, her cousin. She finds out. I mean, it's not like, you know, we get so blinded by the dome of our reality now that communication is so easy right now. But man, back then it wasn't easy. She probably didn't know Elizabeth was pregnant until that announcement, right? But, but she goes and she sees Elizabeth. They have that encounter, that conversation. The woman or the baby within Elizabeth's womb leaps on the, the, the hearing of Mary's presence. Confirmed through community. Shepherds show up on the day Jesus was born. Confirmed through community. The wise men come. Yet again, confirming through community what the angel had promised. And that confirmation came through community as well as angelic revelation. And the importance, all that leads me to say this. It all reminds me, and it should remind us, the importance of being in community. The importance of being in a body of believers. I mean, online is great. And I'm glad if you're watching online this morning that, that you're, we, we have the ability to, to do that. I know many of you, when you're away, you're, you're, you're plugged in, you're dialed in online. But the reality is online is only one way. In a room like this, it's... It's high definite, it's two-dimensional, it's, you know, sitting in a family room, doing life groups together, or, or in a small group, whatever setting, um, getting together for coffee or having a meal. I mean, all that stuff is about community. It's the importance of being in the body of Christ. I mean, we just wrapped up a season of life groups, and, and it was so fun hearing stories. And I know Robin and I, um, with our group, just, we would... We, I mean, Sunday's a long day for us, and we would, you know, as, as people are coming, we're like scattering, getting our house put together, and we're like, oh, we're tired, we didn't get a nap, the Broncos are losing again, what's new, you know? And, and then our group would come, man, and we would just, and everyone would leave about at midnight. No, I'm just kidding, it wasn't that late. But, but they would all leave, and, um, and it was just like, man, that's so fun, it's just so refreshing, it's just like so good to be together with the body of Christ. So encouraging. And and, um, and as we prepare to step into, I mean, January and February seem like a long way off, but it's going to be here before we know it. So we'll launch new groups at the end of January, and they'll start up in February. And I want to encourage you, if you didn't get plugged in this last session, get plugged in. I want to encourage you. Some of you, uh, God gave you a home, not just for you to shelter and by yourself. It's to open it up and to be a blessing to others. And so maybe God would speak to you and say, you know what, let's just host a group. Let's see what happens. It doesn't matter if there's four people there or if there's 12 people there. It's the fact that, man, God, we want you to use our home. We want you to use our, our, our resources, whatever it may be. And, and if this can be a gathering place for people, we want that to be. So if that's something that you would consider, just let us know on your connection card and we'll, we'll follow up with you and, and it'll, be, it'll be a good conversation. But look, that middle banner up there, that we would be a church that's authentically engaging each other. That button of the fire is all about community. 
It symbolizes of what happens when you're around a campfire and the conversations and, the, and just the, the places of, of doing life together. Sharing, strengthening, forging the faith for one another. If the worship team would come, I've left some time here at the end um, for some intentional prayer because I fully realize with a topic like impossible to possible, there's many in the room today that lest God do something, um, you're stuck. But God can. All things are possible. Right? I was in preparation for this series, The Splendor of His Glory. Um, been just reading and doing a lot of different reading and different listening to different resources. Um, I was attempted to uh, ha- get the, the former um, uh, attorney for the Assemblies of God, Dr. Richard Hammer, who's also um, astronomer. I mean, you've know, you got to be careful when you say astronomer that you say astronomer, astronomer and not astrologer. Just, right? So I'm always thinking. When, but anyway, Dr. Richard Hammer, who's retired now from um, being the, the counsel for the assemblies, uh, uh, is an astronomer. He loves that. And he has a, 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 a talk that he's put together on the Star of Bethlehem. And so we had called him. I had called him and talked to him several different times about the possibility of him coming and, and doing a talk for us about the Star of David. It didn't work out, but in all that, saying all that to say, man, I've just been kind of digging into just the heavenlies. And um, I read one book that just talks about the, the trip to the moon. The Apollo astronauts, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong and Michael Collins. And you think about the feat, the accomplishment of that task in the 60s, right? And as Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were in their capsule, and that capsule began to descend to the moon, Michael Collins is left in his space portion of the ship. A quarter of a million miles away from the earth. He's separated now 2,100 miles above the moon. From his team. He's all alone. It's interesting, one of the, the, the greatest saying that the astronauts were trained in were, were not the mechanics of flying the, the spacecraft, it was, it was not being overcome by fear. But you think about what, where he's at. He's in that capsule all by himself with the vastness of the heavenlies before him 
talk about loneliness on steroids. He would be alone in there for 21 and a half hours, orbiting the moon. 30 times he orbited the moon. And for 48 minutes, within every orbit, he would have radio silence. He would lose all communication with NASA. He's on the backside of the moon in utter darkness, looking out from his little windows into the expanse of the one who created the heavenlies with the span of his hand. Talk about an overwhelming, what would feel like an impossible situation. Yet we know the rest of the story. It's an amazing story to think of the vessel that landed on the moon low on fuel, was able to reconnect with the mothership, if you will, and come on home and live to tell their story. They President Nixon said, man, there's a 50-50 chance this thing may not work. And we're going to see them lost in the outer darkness. But it worked. And we read about it. We have movies about it. It seemed impossible to some that such an operation would happen. And for some in this room, you feel that way about your situation. It's impossible. It's impossible. We're never going to get out of debt. It's impossible. It's impossible. Our our relationship, man, it's done. There is no, there is no kindling of feeling for my spouse or for whoever relationship applies to feels impossible but yet there's something within you that says but I want to believe I want to believe I want to believe it's possible and God I believe would say to you all things are possible Father God, as we feel the the weight of the moment, for some they feel the weight of their situation, they feel the weight of their diagnosis, they feel the weight of the lack of faith maybe that they have in their spirit and their heart right now. They feel the overwhelmingness of of not knowing the answer, not knowing how to process what's before them. But yet, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would look to you because faith will always be needed. And Lord, that maybe their step of faith today would be allowing 
some leaders within our church to pray for them and to believe with them. For some, they're here today and and their step of faith needs to be coming into a relationship with you, that they would experience salvation. Scripture says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If I could get the elders and your spouse to just come and spread out as we step into this song, this last song, Pastor Nathaniel, if you name me, would come as well. And you're facing a situation, and maybe it's not life and death, maybe, but it's it's like, man, I just I just want to see God move. I just want to see God get the glory. I just want to see God do something. And you're here this morning, and you would like prayer as we step into this song of worship. I would encourage you to come and receive prayer. As I look at at our elders, man, they each have a story of times and seasons. Some of them even now are are facing situations that to to man it seems impossible. Oh, but God, but with God, it becomes possible. And if you're here and if you would like prayer or maybe it's, I mean, I, I, what I want is I want salvation. I want to be in right relationship with God. And I would ask you during this time as well to come forward and then just say, they'll ask you what, what you need prayer for. And just tell them, I, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to know this God that, that, uh, that we've talked about today. Father, in this holy moment, as we bring this portion of the service to a close and we sing a song of worship, we give room for your Holy Spirit to speak to us and to respond appropriately. For some, they're going to come and receive prayer. God, I pray for something supernatural to happen within their hearts, within their situation. God, for some, if it's healing, that there be healing. God, for others, if it's just um, a breakthrough in, in some situation, Lord, that it happen. That God in all things get the glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, church, would you stand with me? This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Raines.